Today on the Cule Podcast, the IOC has finally pushed back the Summer Olympics. But what does that mean for these athletes? What are we going to do with this coronavirus and with Michigan getting shut down? Will we ever have two people in the studio? Because this is getting kind of lonely and very empty in here. I don't know if I can handle this. Thankfully, we got Harrison coming on the show later to talk some college hockey. Welcome to the Cule Podcast, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Kuehl Podcast. I am your host today, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl, and we have us an, uh, another show today. I, you know, it's it sucks, you know, this whole this whole thing of being alone and stuff in the studio. It's just awkward, and doing solo shows, I mean, they're fun and all, but... You thought this was a solo show. I am the host, Alex Kuehl. Through the inside of the insiders, we are doing this hosting of a show remotely through the power of the wireless and the good interweb. What? Where's that voice coming from? I don't hear anything. I hear voices. I don't see faces. Is that you, The phone, dummy. The phone. Oh, Oh, the phone. Oh, that's what was going off. Okay, that's why I was wondering what that sound was. Yeah. Oh, hi, Alex. How are you? I'm surviving. You are surviving. So... I have not showed I have not showed symptoms of the COVID or or the of the my corona of the my corona. I have corona. I have not watched. Someone actually did a video on that. I saw it on my feed today, but I kind of just left that one off to the wayside. But I just it's so if you guys didn't remember off the top, I did mention how Alex or the reason why we're I'm alone today is because there is a massive lockdown. Well, I would say supposed lockdown. It's not a lockdown. What it is is that the state of Michigan has put a, a order of stay at home. Yes. It's a loose order that allows essential workers to continue working, obviously with certain different regulations, with social distancing and whatnot, as right. well as letting other people who may not be essential workers to still be allowed to go out um, into society to either um, work out workout outside whether it be a walk or going running with obviously being away from somebody else or to um, also exercise their animals because obviously walking the dog big dogs need to you know exercise and whatnot I'm not talking As about you dumb cat owners i'm kidding not dumb cat owners hey people that can't okay i was saying people that can't walk cats you don't walk cats yes you can but you don't it's have you ever seen a cat someone walk a cat yes it's weird it's different, yes, but it's just, it's it's the same thing. It's like walking a small dog. Quit defending your girlfriend. <laughs> I will defend my girlfriend and Thomas and Mara and whoever, whatever cat wants to go outside for a walkie. A walkie? Now, I continue. A you're walkie? Also, uh, a walkie. Also, yes, a walkie. You know, a walkie-talkie, eh? Please, gosh. He's been gone for a week and he's already Italian. That's great. I'm losing my damn mind, Tyler. I don't know what I am. Well, okay. At least you're not Taylor Hall doing an entourage binge watch right now. I don't know. I just I just clicked my Twitter, and that's the first thing that popped up, and I'm concerned for Taylor Hall's mental health now, more than yours. <laughs> What's wrong with binge-watching shows? No, it's entourage, Alex. That's the thing. So? 
okay, it's not okay. I will say this: it is not as bad. Um, it is not as bad as I would say. Well, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette. Which I'm gonna have a talk with Harrison about that because apparently he's an avid watcher. But when I talk to him later, yeah. I, and I would uh, say, and I'd say watching Kelly watching Friends for the thirty uh, second time, I would say that. I don't think she, I, I don't think she heard me. Did she? Let's see. We'll wait and see if she comes bursting through the door in about ten seconds. Here's the thing, and I'll let you know about it. Friends is one of those shows that has. It really is one of the... How do I put it? Okay, if it's a good show where it's a sitcom and it's a... It's a it's the th- it's the same reason why people like Seinfeld and the same, same people like How I Met Your Mother. It's that sort of... You're not just following one character. You're following a friend group and people are involved in friend groups. So they're like, hmm, let's look at my friend group and see who's the, the Monica or who's the Chandler of the group. Well, my thing is I've never seen, at least maybe it's just our generation, but I've never seen this much love. Like, I love Frasier. I lo- people have loved Cheers, but I don't see people just going out and binge watching Cheers. Is it just our generation that likes to binge watch? Is it our generation that loves Friends so darn much that they have to love Friends? I mean, or they have to watch well, it? Here's the thing. Our generation... It's not the fact that we're the first ones to binge watch. It's just the first we are the first ones that have had the capabilities of binge watching. Is that your phone or do you actually fart? No, that was the phone. I, I'll have to put it so it doesn't vibrate as much. I just heard that. I was like, I'm like, all right. I know I know you have been at home and eating a bunch no, of No, no, we're not on the toilet today. We're not doing a toilet show. Eh, well, I mean the show is going down the toilet, but that's not here nor there. Whether or not I have pants on is up in the air, but... Hopefully nothing's up in the air. For gosh sakes, Alex, just calm yourself there. Why don't you? <laughs> Did... uh, quick question, though. Quick oh, wait, answer. My thought, my thought. Oh, your thought. Go ahead. Um, Where was I going with this? Oh, yes. we've Yeah, we're the first generation that's been able to do binge-watching. Because, I mean, they've had, you know, when you go back to Seinfeld or cheers or whatever they used to have watch parties like people would go over to like one person's house every like tuesday monday or whatever night it was and you would watch that show together we're just the first generation where we have so many different streaming platforms we have people that you you can binge watch shows you can binge watch movie series you know i mean if you have disney plus you can watch all of the avengers movies in what they're what should what is or what is described to be like the correct order and all the Star Wars ones, and you can watch those in the correct order, not by episode, but by actual release. Uh, actually, no. well, okay, not necessarily. You you have to watch the original trilogy first before you watch the prequels, because that case, False. because Empire, False. because Alex Empire then does not have the same effect. False. Here's oh. why. Why? Because you know that Anakin's already stu- or, or Anakin's already dar- turns into Darth Vader, so you just pretty much just know when he goes, "I am your father," and you're one like Luke. Duh, didn't you know this? I'm like, he was your dad. Us people that actually grew up, that like d- dad, when he watched it when he was a kid, he was like, "Whoa!" And then he sees it and he sees how he becomes Darth Vader. That's the point of a prequel. But here's the thing, though: if you watch episodes one through three before the original trilogy, then all of the scenes that include um, old Obi-Wan 
and obviously the death of Obi-Wan, it just means that much more. It's a different way of watching it, yes, but that's the way I... Pre- There's two ways, two ways of watching it. And now with all of the different, like, Rogue One um, and all of those kind of spinoffs, there's at least three or four different ways you can watch the Star Wars movies now. Yes. If you want to watch all of them. If you want the same effect of being... Uh, yes, I say this. If you want the effect of being how we've grown up as Star Wars fans, you watch them in release order because then you're like, oh, this is how I became Darth Vader. And you watch Rogue One. Oh, this is how they got the blueprint for the Death Star. Or if you... Legitimately, the only real... I guess surprise are the sequels. And I guess now like the Mandalorian is another show that's coming out. We're still waiting for Darth Maul to show up in a movie with robotic legs. Still waiting on that. Come on, Disney, get your heads out of here. Okay. I'll stop now. Um, Here's here's the thing though. Yes. Darth Maul is going to be in the Mandalorian. It's a matter of when, not if, (laughs) but also when, is Darth Maul going to be kind of involved in the Kenobi kind of saga? Because they're also going to do that. Yes, because they well they did that in Rebels. Remember, they did a they did a brief little thing with that on Rebels. Yeah, but they want to do a live action. Of course, absolutely. The thing is, though, you have to. My, my whole point with my whole point was was with this was that we first have the capability. We are the first generation to have this capability. So if the generation before us had this. Oh my God, they'd be on their couch all day. Freaking Saturday morning cartoons. No, you're binge watching freaking friends. Well, I will say that I will say this. I think it's just the mentality of our generation that we can just sit there and do nothing for a long period of time. I know. I mean, excuse me. Like, for example, like our dad can do that. Our dad can sit there and watch all the Star Wars movies because he's a huge fan. But anything else, though, like. Kelly's parents, for example, our grandparents, they can't just sit there and watch the same thing over and over again without doing something else. They can't binge watch something for six hours on end without, you know, going up for a walk or waiting another day. I cry BS. What do you call Gone with the Wind? That's a movie. I'm talking like a like you wouldn't see six hours. You wouldn't. Okay. Pardon me. You know what I mean, though? I'm sorry. Gone with the Wind took up three different VHS tapes. I don't want to hear it. I'm just saying you wouldn't see you wouldn't see our grandmother. You would not see Nana. I, I'm trying to think of a. I'm, I, I don't think she's ever been a, involved in a TV series. You wouldn't see her say she was a huge fan of Cheers. You wouldn't see her sit down all day for for six hours to watch Cheers. No, but you would watch, or you would see Pops watching Roy Rogers all day. <sighs> see, allow it. See, allow it. You know it. See, that's a toughie. I get that's it. Not a toughie. It's not. There's always going to be exceptions to the rule, though. Like, there's people in our generation that they couldn't sit down and watch, you know, Star Wars or whatever TV series forever, but they could read a book, you know, in one sitting if they wanted to. Well. Yeah, but of course, this thing is like obviously back then books were still. I mean, the fifties and sixties books were prevalent. There I'm was, talking about our generation, dum dum. Well, yes, but of course, that's the that's the Star Wars fans though that read the books. I never got into the books. Oh, I'm talking about actual books. That's what I'm saying. They, it's not just Star Wars books, dude. I'm talking like actual books. There are people that won't watch like three movies in a row, but they'll read an entire book by itself. I almost did that with the Cujo book. 
almost did that with the Cujo book. With Curtis, yes. with Curtis Joseph's bio, which you could definitely tell by reading it that was not Curtis Joseph writing it. But then again, most athletic, most athlete biographies, those are usually with a ghostwriter, which I understand. Some people, some guys like myself, can't sit there and write a 300 page novel. I couldn't. Well, I mean, it's not athletes, too. It's also people who don't have the time necessarily to write a book because <clears throat> it's it's a very long process i mean stephen colbert when he wrote uh oh i can't i can't think of the name of his book off the top of my head but when he wrote that book it was purely he wrote down or he recorded voice memos of him telling basically stories and then they just put them in the book that's what the book was right well the thing i guess literally unless it's like verbatim writing that because they probably still use a ghostwriter because you have to because if you just heard someone talk, obviously it's considered an audio book, but telling an actual story in literature form, documentary or not, you do need some words in there like, you know, this is what they said. You know, you can't. Well, yeah, well, that's I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, like it's but it's not just athletes, though. It's anybody. People, yes. Yeah, it's anybody. And I, I mean, think I think the only real good bio that I've ever read that I know of that was written by the person is Mick Foley's first two books, The Have a Nice Day and Foley is Good. Those two, I've because I read both of them. I read I read Foley is Good first because that was one at the library. Then I ended up reading Have a Nice Day later. Those he both legitimately wrote himself. Well, yeah, because he had the time to. Oh yeah, you're traveling, you're on planes, you're on, you're driving, you're riding in cars. Yeah, athletes do the same thing. I mean, just the difference is, I guess they, I, I actually, I don't know, they practice more, they practice less. Nope, the wife has walked into the room. Alex is on the phone. Bacon, Kevin Bacon. Uh, uh, you know she can't hear you, right? Yeah, you can, you can moderate for me. You can just grab the other headset. Right behind you. We'll grab the we'll grab that one. And Kelly's like, oh, because I have well, okay. So the story is she's asking how many headsets I have. And I'm don't say anything, Alex. I'm taking you off the off the sound effect for a second. <laughs> she's wondering how many headsets I have. Now I can hear you again, Alex. <laughs> okay, you don't need to yell just because I say you can hear you. Um she's like, How many headsets do you have? And I told her, I'm like, I have a few because I took the two from Davenport, and then I ended up having to use. Then I ended up getting our actual. So the headset I'm talking on is one of our new headsets. One of the that's my own headset, the one that Kelly has now. Kelly Kuehl, say hi, Kelly. Hi, Alex. Can you Kelly Kuehl, how you doing? Doing good. I've just been slaving away in the house all day, cleaning everything. You haven't been, you haven't been slaving Tyler, away. I use at work. I'm not doing. Yeah, as well say I was at work today. Because Why my, are you working? You're non-essential. Well, they well the store. Did, we don't need to get my other. We don't need to get my other job. Nope, my other job does not exist in this <laughs> they're world. They're still open. They're still open, but they didn't have customers in the store today, so they cleaned everything. But I'm not letting him go to work tomorrow. Good. Yeah. No. It's well. The, they asked like, oh yeah, we're gonna open tomorrow. Like actually open to customers, and I'm like, no. Which you can't do. Yeah. Exactly. But well, it's not you know. I tried do. to call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Safety, and they were busy all day. Well, yeah, because I'm pretty sure there's one of you're probably one of like ten thousand people calling at one time. But, anyways, <clears throat> where were we? 
Um, I think we finished our conversation with the binge watching stuff. Oh, yeah, you you kind of got brought up with the whole um, with the whole friend stuff. So I have yeah. nothing else to do until I work. That's true. You you work Thursday, anyways. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um. Uh, let's get into some. Well, first of all, uh, if you're trying to figure out where this intro is going and where it's intended to go, ask us. And or if you think you have a prediction on where this was actually going to go, tweet us at the Keel Podcast. Use hashtag the Keel Podcast on Twitter. There you go, Alex. I was waiting for you to yell something in there. So I guess we should get into some news. As of this morning, let's take it back a couple days ago. A couple days ago, the Canadian Olympic Committee said they were not going to send their athletes to the upcoming, presumably upcoming. Tokyo Summer Olympics. They were supposed yep. to be in August. And they did initially set a deadline for July. I think it was the end of or no, the end of May. It was going to be the, the deadline for yep. an answer. And yeah. they ended up deciding, well, this morning, well, overnight. But then this morning, they announced that the, the uh, president of the IOC, aptly named Dick Pound. Dick Pound! Decided that they were going to postpone them, and at the latest, they, there's not an official date yet. But they have saying, to be. Bef- they have to be before 2022. So they're saying 2021 at the latest. They um, have to. Yeah, because the Winter Olympics in 2022. Yes, and well, so they've done. No, what? Hold on here. They have to have it before the Winter Olympics. They, they can't can have, have it the same the, year. Yes, yes uh, they can. So they. So here, Alex, go on. ahead. Alex, go oh, ahead. Oh yeah, because they do actually. No, they don't it, have very. Here's effect. the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, and I'll tell you about it. The, how it works is you have two options. Either you have to have it before the opening ceremony of the at the other Olympics, so you'd have to have the Summer Olympics before the opening ceremony of the Winter Olympics, or you do not have a Summer Olympics, period. Then you automatically skip this one. You go to the next Winter Olympics. Let's, so Go ahead, Alex. Sorry. The deadline would be for to have a i guess in this series uh so to keep on the four-year cycle to have it be a summer olympic they would have to be before the opening ceremony of the winter olympics in 2022 correct you do realize that's in like january so it has no, to february. be in 2021 february february whatever but they that, can't do the whole summer olympics in in january well that's what that's what they're saying they'd have to do it before then but don't forget, guys, for 68 years, they did the Winter Olympics and the Summer Olympics in the same year. How do you think they stopped? They stopped because they, they, they did back-to-back. They did the night. They did the 92 Winter Olympics where the unified team won the Olympic hockey gold medal. And then 94 when Peter Forsberg did the Forsberg, his move, which he saw on TV, but he never said who did it. I honestly wonder who actually pulled that move off first to actually inspire Forsberg to do the Forsberg. Either way, they realized that waiting four years was too horrible, so they split them by two. Right. So every every two years, there is an Olympics that will happen, which also it just makes it it makes building up the hype of the Olympics more controlled. And it sheds more light on the the more niche sports. Yeah, and that's I think it's just to get more exposure because it's like you want to have it as often as possible. So keeping the Olympics relevant every two years or every eighteen months, as they like to say, it keeps it entertaining for everybody to keep them kind of 
you know, just, hey, the Olympics is, you know, the Summer Olympics come up, then the Winter Olympics, and the summer back and forth. And it's fun because then you you get the sole focus. You don't get people burnt out because think of it this way, 1980, you know, you watch U.S. win the Olympic gold and hockey and all that. It's great. It's awesome. And then you come to Moscow in 1980. At that point, yes, there was politics, stuff like that. But you're burnt out by the end of those Olympics. You're like, oh, I, I don't care about these Summer Olympics. Who cares and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's already won. Why, why does it matter? I, I didn't mean to use 1980 as an example because I just remember that was actually the boycott year. But that's how it used to be. You'd be so you know patriotic for the Winter Olympics, but then all of a sudden here come the winter ones or the summer ones, and you're just like, again? Three, you know, a month of this again, you know? It's, it is how it is, but it's, it's good to see that at least they're going to try to get it to be spaced out a little bit because realistically they could do it in 2022, just have them back-to-back two years apart, but... No, they couldn't. Because then it would be you'd be throwing it off of the four year cycle. Yes, but you could you could recover. This is a this isn't a oh this could never happen like it ruin everything. You could make it work. You could you, realistically. You, you could make it work, or you could just do the smart thing, where you're just delaying this current one until before the beginning of the next winter. Right. Olympic. Well, that's what I'm saying. There. I mean, I presume that by next summer, this whole pandemic is in the past, or at least well, as mostly. Of right, as of right now, China has, um, one of their leading medical professionals has been looking into what could possibly could be the second wave there. And we're still currently in our first wave. Wait, what second wave? Like a second, like a people that go no, no, too no, early. To Alex, where did you get that information? Uh, that was on uh, CNN. Oh, wow. Tyler, shut your dumb ass Okay, up. I just want to say CNN and Fox News, not not a reliable in the middle source. Anyway, I want to know what virus they're thinking. If it's another coronavirus or it's a different virus. Because there from, was something that came out from the, the, the hantavirus, but that is only that only comes from rats and it does not pass from human to human. Someone died in China from the hantavirus, but it only... You can't pass the hunter from human to human. You have to get bit by a rat. Well, remember there were two. There were two separate waves of swine flu, H one N one. Remember that? I remember the first one. I never remember the second one. It wasn't as big, obviously, but it's just the second. Yeah, wave. but the first wave of swine flu didn't even shut down. Shut down. Well, anything. Kelly, the to answer your question that you answered, well, regardless of where I got it from, it was yeah. the medical professional stated that. It was to be believed a second wave of coronavirus, but it it might be what you're talking about. But I didn't really look into it. I just that's something that I heard. Because I just want to specify something: coronavirus. Coronavirus is very common. This strain of coronavirus is the new one that causes COVID nineteen, which is an illness regarding this coronavirus. But coronavirus very common. I see it all the time. But not this strain. And this is a strain that's dangerous. Most people with coronavirus all the time. Anyways. But it's this strain that's really dangerous. This is me being the host today trying to move this story along. We can test for normal coronavirus. We test on the daily for normal coronavirus. All right. All right. So So the Olympics are delayed. The Olympics are delayed. That's true. But one thing that is not delayed and canceled entirely as of yesterday, all three leagues came together. The Canadian Hockey League's playoffs, the OHL, WHL, QMJHL playoffs, and the Memorial Cup. What about the NHL? NHL still, they're still trying. I don't, I think they're going to cancel them. They should. They should Uh, just cancel the rest of the season. I don't, it's, I feel bad. I feel bad saying that, but they should just cancel the rest of the season. At this point, yes. Oh, it was 
run into too much of other sports. You're going to keep eating trail mix while you're on the yeah. mic? <laughs> Kelly's, uh, the, by the way, this show today brought to you by our good friends at Meyer Sweet and Salty Trail Mix. By the way, because we... Thanks, workers, for staying out in the middle of the night and stacking. And stocking. Yeah. Yes, all Appreciate of the it. grocery stores, I would say that. Um, I will say this, though. Before uh, We'll go back to the Memorial Cup stuff here in a second. I will say this, because Alex had some of the sweet and salty mix, the Meyer stuff, last week. We usually do cars. We're usually cars trail mix fans here. The big purple bag is yeah, like Yeah, I know. It. That's from Detroit. I'm not. I'm not either. It's disgusting. I like it, but well, they don't have real M&Ms. Far too salty. They don't have real M&Ms. Point. Well, yes, that's true. Neither does Meyer. But here's the thing. Yeah, it does. Look it. That it, is an M on that M&M. Oh, there is an M&M. They did that. They're well, legit. Well, I'm pretty sure they say it stands for M for Meyer. I'm pretty sure that's what they no. say. No. no, you can't do M&M's with the trademark. Holy cow, they do do that. Yes. Listen, I don't read all the fine prints. Yeah, we pens. know that's, you can't. That's, you don't read because you can't. So. Kelly, that's your job to read the fine print for us. You read the fine print on the marriage license and all the stuff that we went, we went to the Kent County Clerk's Yeah, office. and I can't even change my last name officially on anything. Also, I tried to activate my new cards, and they wouldn't. it wasn't working. wasn't working? We'll Not try my that. card, but the thing. It says press 1 to activate your card. I pressed 1, and it went through the whole menu again. Get married, folks. It's fun. Ah. But the reason why I like the Meyer Sweet and Salty Mix better. You want to know why, Alex? <sighs> okay. Why? Almonds. I'm thinking the same thing you are, Game Alex, changer. Right now. Game changer. Almonds. Almonds anyway, and cash. Well, because all they have for cars they is They should just cancel and... the rest of the NHL season because it's going to run too too much into the baseball season. They've already pushed the start of baseball back a ton. It's that They pushed it back, oh, uh, opening days in May, right? Well, it's per- usually in May. Or is it in March? Op- no. Opening day is, is it's a toss-up at this point. They don't know, know yet. But when but is it usually? End of March. Probably yeah, so next they, week. It'd be, it, I think it would be next week. Would've it been. would be next Opening week, depending on which team, it would be either this week or next. Okay, so they already pushed because, it into May. Because minor league sports, because what day is it today? Yeah, it is 25th, Tuesday. 24th. The 24th? Yeah, so minor league baseball already would have started either last week or this week, as far as games go, just because they have a lot more, um, as far as, like, cross-country games. So yeah, they start earlier. They end earlier. Their season, their schedule is less localized, like with leagues. Right. Anyway, I but I was thinking, like, let's say they push it to May. You can still play an abbreviated season. You'd play. You wouldn't. How? You wouldn't play each because the way Major League Baseball schedule works, they've had to make some changes since Houston's moved back to the American League. With they've just been a lot more interleague play. You have to wipe that completely clean. Yeah, I would say you can't. And you have to cut down. You have to cut down your division. Either your, I mean, if you want to play everyone in your own league, so the American League play American League, everyone play <laughs> National League, so on and so forth. I would say this: you'd have to either make it only three series against your divisional, because usually there's four series between each divisional opponent. So for the Sox twice, Twins twice, Jays play the Yankees twice at home, yeah, twice yeah, on the road. It. So you'd only be able to play them once at home, one series at home, one series on the road. You'd have to cut it down. I'm sure there's people right now at MLB that are being specifically chosen to say, all right, create the schedule or fix the schedule. Well, well that it's not a, a fix the schedule thing. But, Tyler, you are right. That's that's happening in every major uh, sport right now. Right. Um, yeah, they have to. And from what's, from what's going on, uh, you're seeing a lot. The reports are that each league was, I mean, since we're talking about MLB, we'll talk about MLB. Major League we Baseball. Will, we will get back to the CHL stuff in a second, folks. Just bear with us here. Major, major League Baseball 
Um, they have to obviously work with the teams, but they have at least 10 different schedules that they want to push out to get um, agreed upon, depending on a lot of different factors. So they don't want to have it where, you know, only half the teams can play at a time because if on one side of the country everything's okay and dandy and, you know, the coronavirus has been eradicated or at least tamed, but on the other side of the country it's not, that it, it, it is a variable that they could play, you know, the East starts their season early and then the West will start their season a little bit later. But you know That's, what you also have to take into but, consideration? is every single other event that's been canceled that happens at those ballparks that have to be re- that have to be rescheduled like concerts and stuff like that concerts and all that stuff but don't forget a lot is of huge. which is why when they make these schedules and they come out with these they are merely proposals so that then it gets sent to the um, board of governors of major league baseball and the and owners then- of the parks and then it is sent out to the owners of the ball clubs, which then they communicate with the ballpark. Yeah, yes. but you also, but you realize like a lot of these are really going to screw it up because for some ballparks and for some cities, concerts at those at those ballparks rake in more than the baseballs. For example, the um, who was supposed to? Well, come I don't to, think who was I, supposed to come to Comerica Park this summer. That huge tour, it was like Fall Out oh, Boy. Oh, Green Day, Fall Out Boy, and Weezer, yep. Yeah, yeah. that is that is going to bring in, rake in way more money than the Tigers ever will this season because they suck. Or your beer prices, but, Tigers. But here's the You're here's the determined th- to get more people in that ballpark if they lower the beer prices. Here's the thing, though. when you At the end of the day, Major League Baseball cares about their franchise organization. They don't care about the ballparks necessarily. <laughs> and obviously... Uh, Obviously, there it's an aspect of it because there there are teams that they have either majority ownership or partial ownership of the ballpark, like the Detroit Tigers and Comerica Park. It's where Comerica has the naming rights of it, but since Detroit is the main tenant of it, they have partial ownership of it and all this good stuff. And don't forget, guys, a lot of bands, a lot of musicians have already either canceled their tours or postponed them, and their postponement is based on what goes on at that arena first. So sport teams, for the most part, in most arenas, most especially ball, baseball fields, ballparks that are made for baseball, they take precedent over concerts. Concerts just fill the time when the team's on the road or in the offseason. So that's why you're going to see, like I know that Pearl Jam was supposed to have a bunch of shows and whatnot. And, oh, my goodness, there's a picture of a – there's a Triceratops one now? I guess so. Sorry, Kelly's scrolling through Facebook, and she showed me a picture. You know the T-Rex outfits, Alex? Yeah. There's a Triceratops one, too. Yeah, I know. Why am I the last one to find out about this? Because, Ty, you're too damn old. I, I, listen, I am three and a half older than you. Three and a half years older. Three and a half older than you. Listen, just because I got the Kenny Rogers thing mixed up, I am literally the sheriff of Nottingham from – from men in tights. You're awful. That uh, hand over that boy hand. That's that's me. I'm literally that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, folks, isn't men in tights still on Netflix? They take it off. I don't know. I have Anybody. it on DVD. Come to my house. I don't All right, care. I'm gonna go. Oh, Kelly's leaving now. Okay. Kelly okay. is out. Just abruptly out. Okay. If you didn't hear a muffle in the background, she's got stuff she's got to do. No, we. I heard a lot clear. 
Well, you hear it loud and clear because you get through my mic. The folks at home, they're like, what is she screaming about? But hey, as long as, hey, that was interesting. Anyways, um, this show is bouncing off the walls here. If you're following through this, congratulations. You have the mind of people like Alex and I, and Kelly, who all have ADD or ADHD. You have the mind of a greased camel, sir. Congrats. Congrats for a greased camel. So I want to get back here to the CHL, Alex, the Moral Cup. Why it's a big deal that it's canceled. And it's for, and because obviously it sucks having a tournament canceled. But obviously, with the circumstances at this point, it's accepting. Here's the thing, though, Alex. Scott, Scott Wheeler tweeted this out early today. Scott Wheeler, big media presence in Toronto, good, very good sports writer, very talented, hey. has hey. some takes from time to time, but usually hey. all for a good guy, though. He said, hey. and I quote today, the CHL has not made this official yet, but he is hearing reports from multiple people and confirmed it as well. I'm paraphrasing the tweet, but confirming it, that the CHL, the Memorial Cup, will not come back to Kelowna, British Columbia, where it was supposed to be this year. They're, they're moving on from it. They're, okay. they're going to go to their usual rotation, so next you'll be at an OHL barn. Okay. My problem is, Alex, because, for example, I believe that the Frozen Four will still be in Detroit next year, I think because that's obviously got to be rescheduled for the NCAA and all these shows. And I, I don't know what they're doing for WrestleMania in Tampa. I know they're moving it down to the, they're doing it inside their performance center, but I think they may go back to Tampa next year. But the point is Alex is that Kelowna, the Kelowna Rockets, because most teams in this, in if, if you're hosting the Memorial cup, you get an automatic bid. So you're going to bolster up your team. You're going to have a lot of good players, stuff like that. And obviously Kelowna sold a lot of draft picks to become the best team they possibly could be. But the point is that now they don't get that automatic bid. Even if the team is awful next year, <laughs> say they finish last in WHL, doesn't matter. They would still get that berth that they were guaranteed when they were given the bid to host the Memorial Cup. That's my problem in all this, Alex. Why doesn't Kelowna, why can't the CHL make the adjustment? Because this is a once-in-a-lifetime type of scenario that we're all experiencing. Why doesn't Kelowna, and Kelly said hopefully, well, hopefully, yes, hopefully this never happens again. But what I'm saying is, given this whole event, why doesn't the CHL make an exception and give Kelowna the Memorial Cup in 2021? Um, well, I'll give you an answer. I think in... Please make it a good one for my sake, because I'm feeling for those people, man. Those guys, they were all excited. They were prepping for it. It was going to be a big event. It's a huge event. It's the biggest junior hockey tournament outside of the world, any of the under-18 or the under-20 tournaments. And see, Tyler, that's exactly the reason why they're not going to keep it in Kelowna for next year. It's purely because it is a big planning process. A lot of your big, your major events, it is a a year process, two year process. I mean, think about it. The how how long how far ahead does a country or more specifically a city be deemed the Olympic city for whether it be the summer of the Olympic of the Olympic Games? Eight years plus. I was about to say I know because I remember it, when they were it, announced. It's eight years plus, basically how they do it. Because and obviously. It- Oh, go ahead, Alex. 
and obviously there's there are going to be outliers here and there where it's like you know just under eight years or seven years or whatever but major events take a lot of planning okay right the reason why the frozen four is it's so easy to have it in um the same place or a repeat place so many times over that's why you know detroit is a really easy option um, Minnesota is an easy option. They could have it um, in Madison Square Garden if they wanted to. Uh, I don't think they've ever did. I don't think they ever have. That's a possibility, but they've had it in New York State before. Oh well, yeah, I'm I'm sure they have. The reason why you see this for those kind of things is because it's very easy, and the the communication network is already established. Okay, so that's why when the next place is announced for where the Memorial cup is going to be held. That's why they are given a year because even though that venue may have concerts or other games or other events, conventions, what, what have you in the back of their head, they still have to plan for everything that's going to happen with the Memorial cup. So yes, you're going to be like, well, what about the, the automatic bid. Well, you say it's not official yet. So who's to say that the CHL may not possibly make an exception where the host for next year and the host for this year both. So the, so Kelowna has this year's bid, correct? Well, they did. Correct. Yes. Okay. They did. So since their, their Memorial Cup was canceled. What's to say that Kelowna and the host of next year's both don't automatically get in a bid to compensate for the lost quote-unquote value of hosting the events? They're not going to just change the venue automatically just like that. If they're already in talks with whatever OHL barn or OHL team that's going to host it, that's who they're going to go with. Right. Whether whether or not it's uh, a matter of fairness as far as the playoff goes, because oh, Kelowna spent this, 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 and that, whatever to you know go for the, the the championship, they can still be given that opportunity next year as a way of compensating for the loss of value. Right. I mean, so, again, yeah, that makes sense. That, yeah, that comes all the way back down to it hasn't been stated yet, it hasn't been made official yet, and also whether once. Once they make it official, once they cancel the Memorial Cup this year, they have a year's worth of time, or not a year's worth, but you know what? I, they have quite a bit of time where they can still make that decision. Right, and I, I think because the, I, oh good, this is a this is a this is a CHL wide thing. This is a this is a worldwide pandemic. Kelowna is going to be affected by this now. Yes. The revenue that the arena is going to be bringing in, that those workers, the the city, from having you know the the luxury, the sports commission luxury that they're going to have with all the hotels being booked up and all that stuff. Yes, it's going to be lost. That's just how it is. You you, you can't. It's a lose lose situation. The best that they the CHL can do is go back and try to mend what was lost because that's all you can really do and that and that's why if the nhl decides to completely cancel its season 
if they if they don't hand out the Stanley Cup because there was no playoff for it, then that's what happens. And that's I'm, fine. That's I'm okay with. But going back to I'm just let's, let's I'm try to stick with the CHL sorry, thing here. I get that. Is. I'm sorry, but the CHL how it is. It, also, that's just a weird thing in itself. That's just, that just goes back. That goes back to the process of how peculiar and how how much in a in a good way I would say it's different that the CHL does it this way as far as the playoffs go. I think it's really cool. Right. But it's just a kink in the system that they're going to have to figure out. A lot of things are changing. Don't nobody and, needs to get butt hurt. And final the the, the, the no final here's statement. a well, yeah, final th- statement. Final statement on this. Nobody needs to get butt hurt. Well, here's the thing. The if, initial if stuff goes down where they get screwed out. I'm sorry, but that's just how it is right now. But here's the thing. I, I believe the CHL will look at this because initial backlash, nothing positive from it. Nothing does not look good on the league. Doesn't look good on the WHL, the OHL, Quebec League, all three of the major leagues, and the head league itself in the CHL. All three of them. <coughs> look bad. The Bane League looks bad. So that's why I think... Why would a, they look bad? Why would they look bad? No, You tell me right now why they would look bad instead of looking like freaking heroes and making the smart decision here. What I'm saying is not the whole canceling thing. It's like, why wouldn't they go back? That's the thing. It's why, why wouldn't it, they... Like what I said earlier, major events, they take a long time to plan out. It takes a while to figure things out. Hence why you can stay in Kelowna for a year. You can stay with them for one year, give them their rightful due, and there you go. You just move on from there. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me that they'll just move on. By the way, looking up the future sites for the Frozen Four for the NCAA, they have it, already, they have it set for Pittsburgh next year in 2021-2022 in Boston. Now, that said, the NCAA could probably make an exception and move it forward a little bit because don't forget yes the usually the way it works all things considered as of right now obviously things can crazy happen but the frozen four usually follows on the same weekend as the first weekend of the stanley cup playoffs so unless detroit pulls a rabbit out of their behind it really won't matter so you could move it back one year and I may talk about this with Harrison a little bit more just because I'm sh- I would like when I get him on here in just a few minutes, we'll get him probably in about a good 20 minutes here. I am curious to what he says, has, says about it because obviously he's, you know, he's, wor- he's worked around the NCAA. He's worked with college teams. He talks to people. He probably, right. he probably has a better insight on that than you or I would, even though... Well, well go ahead, Alex. Well, if they push it back here, as far as like, what place gets what? Because I mean, it's already been announced that that just goes back to: Are they willing to do that? Because what's to say that the uh, the Frozen Four in Pittsburgh already hasn't created logos up and put and trademarked them? Trademarks aren't cheap, right? And so, so this reminds me, Alex. If, if they have a oh. Frozen Four logo made up with Pittsburgh and everything and maybe they do like the I what are the, the like the steel arches, the Pittsburgh steel arches. Right. And all that stuff in the background. And that's trademark. That's a lot of money that and, they're spending. And this reminds me of something, Alex. I'm glad we kind of kept going with this because it does remind me of something. So you can't just change the number on the logo and say, hey, that can this still be part of no, that's a completely I, different logo. I I completely get, 
completely different trademark. I get that, Alex. Now, hold on a second. Now, this just reminds me. So, do you remember who would have been the host for the 2005 NHL All-Star Game? The 2005 one, the, the year on lockout that we missed. Uh, oh, God. 2000. That would have been Columbus, right? No, that was 2013. Hold that... on, hold on. Uh, Atlanta? Yes. Okay. And so, this now... Kind of thinking now, Alex, instead of me just saying, push everything back one year, I have a legit app. Now, do you remember who had it in night? Now, this is going to be, I'm going to ask you to make a wild guess. I'll give you a hint. It was a Pacific Division team. Who was supposed to host the 95 NHL All-Star game? Los Angeles. No. San Jose. Okay. San Jose ended up hosting in 1997. The Atlanta Thrashers ended up hosting in 2008. The Columbus Blue Jackets, the 2013 lockout, ended up hosting in 2015. Now, Alex, hear me out here. I know it stinks for Kelowna fans because the Kelowna Rockets were supposed to be a team that was, because like I said, when teams had the Memorial Cup, they stacked their rosters. They sell the farm because they know they're going there. Now, obviously, it's going to stink because the roster may be different. But, but hold but on. Hold on. I'm oh. not done. Hold on. Let me go. All right. What if the Rock? What if the Rockets, what if, Excuse me. When they make the rotation, this big rotation that CHL wants to stay a part of, when they come back to the WHL, which would be in 2023, they give it back to Kelowna and going to the NCAA, they have not announced the 2023 team yet. They go back to Detroit in 2023. Just so we stick with your theory, Alex, of that everything is already set in stone. Now, they have not announced the OHL venue yet for next season for the dub for the Memorial Cup. I know we're jumping between two leagues here. Just let well, us out. But well, t- I, I, I completely agree with that. Cause like, like you mentioned, ha, I'm right. There we go. Yeah. Take it to the bank and goodbye everybody. No, well, I'm not saying that you're necessarily right. I'm saying that I agree with you. I agree with your point that no, you don't just have to say that Kelowna. Sorry, but next time we go to a WHL team, we're going to give it to like medicine hat or something like that. I don't know. I got nothing bad to say about Madison Hat. Bite my tongue. No, I'm, that's what I'm saying, though. They don't need, but they so, should. For They don't have to completely screw out Kelowna. I mean, if next time they go to WHL, yeah, they can totally do that. I'm, I'm just saying that you don't have to take all of your plans in place and then shift it back one year. That, that I don't agree with. Right. Because now, you're... You switch that up. So, like, let's since we're jumping back and forth, back and forth. If you pushed everything back a year for the NCAA Frozen Four, so Detroit would host next year, and then it would be Pittsburgh, then it would be Boston, and thereafter, you're not only changing one plan, you're changing three different plans. So, that's a lot of extra money that the NCAA would then have to recoup the cost of if they want to which i mean they totally can because they're the biggest sham as far as a nonprofit goes that's not well that that alex as much as i would love to some of us some of us may want to work there and stuff or at least work in that league for a team so let's just oh no no i wouldn't mind i wouldn't mind working for the ncaa either well don't don't forget we do that now well we work for a team a, a university that's in the ncaa if that makes sense but Yes, we do. That being said, though, everyone can look. 
everyone that's not in in the NCAA or at least in the NCAA like executive kind of realm, they can look at it and say, "Come on, you're not a nonprofit. You make a bunch of money. Let's let's get let's get over yourself real quick." You had you had an NCAA playoff game in a football stadium, and you almost sold it out. Would Come you, on, would. Didn't we talk about when California announced that they'd be willing to compensate collegiate athletes? Because remember California, did we talk about that? I think we have. I'm 95. We did talk about that, and it's become a whole, it's a NCAA thing. I will admit, it's quieted down quite a bit since then. This would have been about a year and a half ago, if I'm not mistaken. Because it's, it's, well, well it's, it seemed like it was like five years ago we talked about it, but then again, we've been on, only on the air for a couple. But you know what I mean, though. The reason why it's cooled down is because now it's a serious and actual thing. It's it's becoming more and more prevalent. It's becoming more and more real. And I you know, th- and I think the thing is, Alex, is, even Davenport students, we you know we had an entire meeting as an entire athletic department where everyone was given a basically a booklet of what you're allowed to do to make revenue. As an athlete, so because at I one mean, point they weren't even able allowed to work, if I'm not mistaken, because of the fear of an under the table payment by an employer. I think that was the case. Uh, I can't state on that. Now that that could be a very that, old. That, I just remember that, hearing about that like in the early '90s. So it could have obviously changed in the last now 30 years. Well, Tyler, you also have to remember. That was during the time where all of the rules and regulations were circulated around Miami football. Okay. And Michigan basketball. That did become a thing in the mid nineties. Yeah. That, because of the, that, of the, of the well, fab five. Oh yeah. You know, freaking Miami football. Oh, Hey, twice, twice. Destroy this guy for me, please. I will pay for your mother's new car and condo. Thank you. And then, well, that carried over the New Orleans Saints, which both teams, by the way, I think Jonathan Vilma played for, which is funny. I, it is, it is. The paying paying the student athletes thing, it's not, it's an actual thing. It's an actual process. And that's why it's, it's not that it's like hush hush about it. It's just that you're not seeing a lot of traction about it because the NCAA, NCAA is serious about it. And all of the involved parties don't want to mess up this opportunity for the athletes. Now, granted, yes, we will still see, I assume you won't see it until someone comes out about it. There will still be the, you know, the booster buyouts, like to call it the booster kind of, you know, Hey, good game. 200 yards rushing. Here's a, let's, let's keep that going there. Or, Hey, we want you to come to our school. Here's a, here's a little, it's still going to happen. All right. It can't happen. It, that's not allowed. Okay. That is not allowed. All right, Alex, if you think that's not going to continue no, to happen. Tyler, Tyler, no. That's not allowed. That's not how that works. It's not. You're right. That's not allowed. But you can't tell me you're going to be that naive, Alex. I'm not being naive. People try that, and then the NCAA, what they do is they go and they investigate that stuff. Therefore, if, you know, okay, Tyler... You've watched The Blind Side, haven't you? Yes. Okay, so you know those later scenes where 
the NCAA investigated the guy. Michael Orr, yep. Yeah, for wanting to possibly go to Ole Miss, seeing that the people that basically took him in and helped him get through his troubling times were boosters of Ole Miss and former Ole Miss, you know, graduates. Don't be naive, Ty. I'm not being, no, I'm saying, I agree. There's a whole process to the stuff. And there are times, Alex, that the... No, 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 Tyler, don't be stupid. Regulations have gotten far more strict on that stuff. Why? Because more information gets out far quicker. Yes, nowadays, but but guess what? Back in the day, it was harder. I'll agree with you. But you don't try to make it seem like nowadays it's still the same way because it's not. The NCAA has too much riding on them, and they have already so much speculation on them from outside sources already that they're not going to allow anything to go under their nose without them going in investigating it. Come on, Tyler. Be smarter than that. Nathan McKinnon's not a generational talent. That's enough. That's all I'm going to say on that one. Um, Nathan McKinnon is a generational talent. There's there are some people that are listening. I'm like, wait, what? And just a couple episodes. Was it last week or was it a couple of weeks ago? The days are starting to blend together, Alex. Help me out here. I think it was last week, Ty. Because that was the argument we got in about the whole Maurice Richard deal. And it almost that was, last, that was last week. Okay. But no, it's it's interesting. And just waiting to hear back from Harrison. I did text him to see if he'll be good because I, I said 630, but I don't think he ever got back to me on that. So we can keep talking unless you're unless you're so busy, Alex. I mean, I'm probably going to have to get off here in a little while because, I mean, I I've literally just been doing homework and I heard week. you turn off the PS4 when I called you, Alex. Don't you even try. Well, yes, <laughs> I take breaks, but I've typed up two papers today and I've done a numerous amount of discussion boards because that's basically what classes have turned into. It's type a paper, do stuff online. I have like type f- a paper, do a stuff online. And I'm doing a bunch of off-season content while we're in season just so we can fill our time till the end of May, which is when we usually end the collegiate season. I it's it's a been a whirlwind. It's been just a a day and a half. Um I don't know why cuz I just clicked my Twitter to see something else come up or whatnot, but Tim and Sid asked a very important question today. Which is the worst arena in arena song that's played during a game in the arena while you're at a hockey game? Which one do you want to which one do you want to hear the least, Alex? Ken Reed, Sportsnet Ken Reed, good buddy of mine, pucks in deep. He says, Sandstorm by Darude. Uh, hold on. The other on, the other option, Alex. Better friend of mine, good buddy of mine, Elliot Friedman, says Cotton Eye Joe. Which one, Alex? And you cannot say, can't be biased, Alex. I know what you're at the Whitecaps, what they played last year after the, every seventh inning, seventh inning stretch, they played Cotton Eye Joe. Which one at a hockey game do you not want to hear? Which one do you want to hear the least? Sandstorm or Cotton Eye Joe? Uh, you can't say yes. You got to be an answer. Got to be an answer. I would. Well, here's the thing. I love both those songs equally, and bec- and they're good at a hockey game for different reasons. Cotton Eye Joe is perfect to get people up and dancing. Have you ever danced 
Alex in the top upper bowl of Van Andel Arena. You know how tough that is to kick your seat without kicking the person in front of you in the back of the head. Hey, it's hard, but it's fun. No, it's not. It's not fun to kick people in the back of the head. It feels very bad after you do it for the fourth time. Not speaking from experience at all. But, dude. Okay, Darude is a, it's a solid hype song. Yeah, but... It goes just fun. I, I, I cannot answer this. I, you know, I will... How about this? I'll counter with a song that I don't want to hear at hockey games ever again. It's High Hopes by Panic at the Disco. Okay, so... My question to you is this. Or, you know what? Actually, don't scratch that. Is it because it was so overplayed on the radio... Yes, I I want songs that are overplayed on the radio to not be at sporting events. Well, yes, popular, whatever. But actually, now that I think about it, one trend that I want to stop because it's been overdone so so much. Now, don't forget, Alex. Don't think of just the Griffins because if you're thinking about the Maya He Maya Who song, you know, no. That, okay, no, okay, no. I I actually like that song. Why? Because the video. Well, yeah, my Nope. But no, the the one the one trend that I want to like stop having because it's been happening so much. If you say teams using wrestling themes, okay, okay, I'm tired of it. No, you're tired of it because the Griffins do it all the time now. No, Griffins don't do it anymore. I'm not talking about just the Griffins. I'm talking about freaking hockey, dude. Freaking hockey. You're blaming the game itself, Alex. How dare you? How actually dare you? Okay, Tyler, you Alex? tell me that you're not sick of hearing freaking Kevin Owens or Finn Balor or whoever's epic theme song whenever a team comes onto the ice. Nope. You're you're not tired of it at all. No. And then they you're did done. Bobby Roots theme. No, absolutely not. It got me fired up and they changed the music and I got mad. Now granted, Dean Ambrose was annoying. That I'll go with. That'll stick behind. Do you remember the time when Thomas McCollum's thing, like they would do the Grand Rapids Griffin, like the first five, and for some reason Thomas McCollum come out and you just hear, burn it down! I had to pull my mic away just so I didn't scream in everyone's ear. Seth Rollins theme. Yes. By the way, Seth Rollins is a heel now, and Kevin Owens is the face. Dude, I don't even care. Do you remember 2016 when that, or 2017 when it was Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins, but they were flip flopped? Yes, Ty. Remember the good old days when we were actually fans of wrestling? Yeah, um, when I was actually involved in wrestling. Ah, yes, when you were involved in wrestling, involved in being in. A, like, I had a, I had a joke, but I got nothing. Actually paying to go watch wrestling. Oh, yeah, yeah, that. Okay. I thought you were about to say, I'm like, oh, I was confused. I think, Alex, and I'll let you get to your stuff, Alex, because I think, yeah. Well, I mean, we got to, we'll talk next week. Well, because I was thinking about, we'll do like more like, oh, you know, favorite stuff for hockey. But obviously, we actually had news to talk about. And then we, we did our usual thing where we just go into it and blind takes and I'd say hot takes, but more like blind, burning, oily nonsense takes that we like to do. I don't know why I went with oily. That's that's not a good. That's not a way to describe this. This is this is a great way to send you off here, Alex. I uh, this is this why you do the hosting thing usually? Yeah, but by the way, quick quick thing for you. Quick um, thing for me. How quick? Since we're on the topic of wrestling, 
coming out on uh, April 6th on Netflix. Uh, I'll actually tag you in the thing that I'm seeing right now on the Facebook. But um, the Big Show is getting his own sitcom show. Uh-huh. It's called it's called Big Show Show, where he's the dad in a big show. Oh, show. Vice. Vice is doing that darker side of the ring thing again. Their second season. They start off with Chris Benoit's story. I watched it, Alex. I, yeah. I saw, saw it on YouTube. You got to watch it, man. It's, it is intense, sad, and everything about it. It, you got to watch it. I mean, if for those if who those who are real wrestling fans who remember those days of Chris Benoit when, when he was, you know, with you know with WCW and the cruiserweights, that right there is a reason to watch that. And obviously, yes, the tragic ending and everything, but the detailed story because there's family involved and everything. It's it is nuts. Watch it. Yep. All right, he's gonna go watch it and probably go do some work. At least he's gonna claim that he's doing some work. But for now, Alex, we will see you next week. And what's, what what the heck was that? What? Oh, you tried to make a sound. You probably hit your microphone or something. Oh, no. I said Kate. Um, but anyways, yes. Anyways, we'll see you all. I'll see you next week, Alex. We're going to take a quick break, folks. When we come back, we'll have Harrison Watt on to talk college hockey and other stuff here on Week two of Quarantine Coronavirus Kill Podcast episode. All right, welcome back to the Kill Podcast. Now, uh, gentlemen, I bring in who is now once again tied for the all-time lead in appearances on the Kill Podcast, our college hockey extraordinaire, the voice of the Fair State Bulldogs, Harrison Watt. Harrison, how you holding up there, friend? Things are good. Things are good. We're uh, hanging out in Big Rapids up here with my girlfriend, and uh, we're we're buttoned down a little bit right now. But uh, things are good. We got plenty of food, got our health still, and feeling very good. Oh yeah, that's good. We had to load up the uh, we loaded up the freezer a couple weeks ago, and I'm glad we did because I saw a bunch of the pictures. I know. Did you see Dan Hasty's tweet yesterday about the picture at I think I presume a Meyer, a Meyer or a Kroger on that side of the state? But how? Oh yeah, it was. yeah, unbelievable over here. I, it's. I mean, it's so Mich and I. We said in the show earlier, Michigan did the has done a well, not a total shutdown, but an advisement to stay at home, and by that I mean a government advisement. So. Um, it's, it, it's interesting times here. I know that I know Indiana's supposed to shut down tonight and I'm, it's only a matter of time before all 50 States do it. Oh yeah. I, I would figure sooner the better so we can get back to, you know, sports. That'd right. be great. Now, before we get into the college hockey stuff, cause obviously college hockey's canceled, but we'll get to some of the good stuff that's going to still happen with the NCAA. But do you think because we talked about it with Alex earlier on in the show that and Kelly as well. Do you think the NHL would come back at all? Do you think there's any chance or should they even think about it? Should they just say, you know what? It happened in 1919. It can happen in 2020. Let's just move on for next year. I would feel bad for a lot of the guys in the league now and their legacies. Um, there are a lot of guys poised to make a big impact in the playoffs this year. For that reason, I'd like to see it go on. The other thing is you don't have the Olympics anymore. 
Um, so you're not really competing with that in July. So if you're going to push it late, I say go ahead. Um, you'll get maybe a few more guys healthy. I don't know how many guys are really training right now. How long do you need? Uh, do you go straight to the playoffs? Do I, do I want it back? Yes, I think they should. Um, and then you deal with the consequences of next season, next season. Um, do I think they will? No, I think they're going to move on. I think it's probably what they're going to identify. I think they're going to miss out on some money doing it, but, uh, I just think that's where everyone is right now is that they're they're gonna go back and look at nineteen nineteen and they'll do this over again and hopefully um hopefully they'll be able to award a Stanley Cup uh next year and things won't get delayed until October uh too much. I know there's talk that this could go on for quite a while this summer, so right. Hopefully it doesn't impact things too much going forward. But they didn't award a Stanley Cup either in uh 2005. So I don't know that they're averse to standing off for a year either. Yeah. Well, of course, slightly, slightly different scenarios there, but of course, 1919, let's be honest here. That was in fact, only the second year of the now what is known as the NHL. So I guess, you know, it's kind of differing times, but it's at, it, cause I know someone said, you know, they should go into September and then just have a month off. And I'm like, Oh, these guys, I get it. It's gonna be a long layoff before the 2020 playoffs, but it's, it wouldn't be worth it at that point. You're pretty much just like, all right, here's the Stanley Cup champion and 2021 season. Let's go. It's it defeats the purpose almost. I I agree. I, it just becomes too much of a muddle at that point. And you know, is free agency going on while the playoffs are going on? Does the team find out that you know one of their guys is not going to be with them next year while they're in the middle of the playoffs? The whole thing kind of gets a little bit muddled. Exactly. It it is certainly a tough time, but. Let's get let's hit the books. Even though nobody's hitting books right now, they're all on their computers like we are on online. Because well, all the classes everyone's doing, my brother included, are all online. But we were able to finish a, a fair state season. Unfortunately, obviously a little early. That's somewhat liked. Her- it, obviously, it's disappointing Harrison to see the dogs not make the playoffs. There's no question about it. But very dis- very disappointing. The nice part about kind of been able to really not just watch the team from afar and, you know, follow them and watch their games. It's now this year I was able to, you know, work with you for a couple of games, go to the GLI with you guys and stuff. It was a great time. And you got to see the, you know, the upsides and the downsides of the Ferris state team. Where do you think, what do you think were some of the big positives for this Bulldogs team this season? I think the most important thing from an on ice perspective was the youth movement. Um, most, most nights, um, if you took the four classes, the most guys that were in the lineup were, uh, freshmen and they played a lot of important minutes, you know, but some of them didn't get to play as many as they'd like, but, you know, Blake Evanow and Jake Willis played a lot of important minutes. That's going to serve them really well. By the time they're halfway through their sophomore year, they'll basically be like juniors in terms of minutes. Um, so really excited about that. It gave them a chance to really test their hand. It worked well. Sometimes other times they, they ran into issues, but they get to try their strengths. And I thought they, um, especially Willis and Evan, did a very nice job. Um, Cade Kowalski came on a bit towards the end of the year and had a nice finish. Um, but really the, the ability for the young guys to play lots of important minutes helps, um, helps the team going forward. And next year they'll come back and they'll be they're a little stronger, hopefully. And, We'll see what they're made of. I think also 
really important was that the culture of the group was really, really good and improved. Um, there, there had been a bit of a disconnect there for a while, and I think things got a lot better this year. I think the leadership was very good, and if this group can continue to carry that culture, we talked about that so much, but um, you'd walk into practice every Monday, and you wouldn't know that this is a team that only won one game after Christmas. Um, you would think it was a championship type of team, the way their attitudes were every day of practice. There's no moping, no feeling sorry for each other. They just tried to keep picking each other up, and I, I've seen it sometimes. Um but not very often with teams like that. Um, and it was very significant, just the mood and the the want to of the team to get a little bit better. And I think they did improve a lot, but uh, just kind of ran into a number of different things. Uh, talk about the downs, the goaltending was really up and down. There were some injuries there. Uh, things did not go according to plan uh, this season in net, but I think uh, the returners got some valuable minutes and hopefully we'll be um, – back up to speed next year. We bring in another good goaltender next year, which we're really excited about. Um, and, you know, you talk about the downs, obviously from the GLI through the end of the year, Ferris, they'd only managed one win. That was tough. Um, it was tough on a lot of guys, but um, the team email went out today getting started for next year. And I can definitely see a good attitude on this group. And I, I really like what I see right now. And, you know, I, the funny thing was, cause you talked about the goaltending, it was inconsistent at times, but it's almost a bummer because I, I personally, despite, you know, his, for me, his puck playing ability seemed a little hazardous at times, but I really liked watching Austin Shaw. When he was on, he was a very solid goaltender. I think the last game that we did, he's the one that he started the game against Michigan Tech, the game that was 2 nothing because nobody wanted to score for 55 minutes or in change. He was a very consistent goaltender, and he's able to win that spot with the Cincinnati Cyclones before the season unfortunately ended. But Roni Salmonkagas obviously missed a good chunk of time this season as well. He was supposed to be the number one going in. Do you see him as the number one moving forward in net for the Bulldogs? I think he's going to have to fight for it for sure. Um, I think he will. He worked very hard in the offseason. I think there were times when we saw a great improvement, and there were times when we saw um, defensive breakdowns, which which uh, buried him. There was, there was a stretch where – the strength of schedule he played against was so crazy and tough. And we didn't defend well in a lot of the games he played during the middle portion of the season. And I felt bad for him because he was, he would go out and put on a pretty strong performance and you come out and you see four or five on the board and you think, and this kid's struggling. And it just wasn't the case a lot of the time. So um, I did feel bad for him because I thought he worked hard. Now he's going to have to fight for it because they bring in a, we're bringing in a good freshman goaltender that everybody's really excited about. I think it'll make the other two goalies very good too. They'll, they'll battle all three of them. Um, I think the level will get raised this year in the off season. And I was appreciative of Austin Shaw's effort. Um, came into a tough situation and um, battled some injuries at times. But when he was on, he he certainly played really good hockey and uh, appreciated his attitude too. And now, of course, the nice part is contrary to last off season for the Bulldogs, your leading scorer. Defenseman, freshman, wearing number 25, stays with the Bulldogs. Obviously, Cooper Zek, obviously, he he was a fantastic hockey player, but Jake Willett steps into that role perfectly, leads the team with 22 points. I believe he was top, at least top 10 in assists, if I'm not mistaken, in the WCHA, or at least among rookies. He was up there, in ter- he was actually tied for eighth. Yes, tied for eight with 19 assists with Steven Jandrick of Alaska Fairbanks and Joseph Nardi of Northern Michigan. 
he is a guy that I watch when watching him, you could tell when he wanted the puck, it was his. And I think as a freshman, it's hard to judge jumping from, you know, junior ranks to NCAA D one to be a solid, perfect defenseman in your own zone. That's going to come with time with a guy like Jake Willits. Yeah. And, and he did perform, I think, um, maybe above some expectations early in the season. You could see maybe he was a step slow um, in terms of just natural speed. But as he learned um, that became less apparent and actually, I, I, th- I think he might've picked up some speed to a certain degree uh, as he got in better shape and, and got the speed of the game down. Uh, there were a couple times early in the year where he got blown by and we're thinking, okay, a little bit of a learning curve, but, between his ability to learn positioning a little bit better um, and just continue to work hard. I, I think he came a really long way in one year. Um, has a huge shot, big physical presence, not afraid to mix it up. And um, we love him. He, he was great for us this year. Um, and we're excited to have him. And Blake Avenow too was, was very good. I don't think a lot of people talked about him um, as the season went on for one reason or another, but he defended very well. Um, got a little bit of offensive upside too. Got a big shot, good one-timer, but um, Blake Evanow certainly defended very well himself. The other thing I didn't mention is um, Marshall Moyes finally played most of the season and showed that he can be a consistent offensive threat. So up front, we're starting to get a little bit of depth of scoring building there. Um, so I, I think the outlook next year is definitely positive. I think there will be an improvement in wins. Um, we'll be a playoff team and, uh, we'll see where we go from there. If we can get the goaltending, we could be pretty dangerous. I think it's funny to go. I always advise people cause you, um, there's a couple ways you can get your stats for your college teams. You obviously go to the team website, but there's also the, um, the stats, the national, the men's college hack, college hockey, national statistic database, the advanced stats that I get through, like you can go through any league site to get to it, but it's funny to go on the games played list for the bulldogs, because if you have a red number, for your games played, it means you were injured for a certain period of time. You have guys like Dallas Tulick or Dal Tulick, Cole Norris, Marshall Moyes, you know, Oscar Andrew and Justin Branshaw, all these guys, Max Finner, guys that played, you know, a certain amount of games, but were out with either injury or something like that, or just it's 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 almost half the roster that missed time with with something or other. And oh. it's and you were obviously you were there for the entire season. You knew how some guys, I mean, look at this way. Lucas Finner scores four goals in the first five games of the season. And we'll see us next time. Yeah, we got decimated. We really, really have never seen us get decimated like that in terms of injuries. And it was some of them were freak injuries. We had uh, Norris got hurt during practice um, right around Christmas time. Um, Boys, I, I can't remember how it happened. It happened at Lake Superior State, and he ended up missing like something like six weeks. We thought he could be out for the season when it happened, which would have been catastrophic. Um, Nate Callen didn't miss a game, but Nate Callen played with a messed up wrist all year. Jason Tackett had a hip injury. Uh, he was gone for a long time. He's an important player when he's healthy. Joe Rutkowski missed two games, um, one of them with a horrible flu, and the other one because his flight couldn't take off. He's a pre-med student that couldn't get out of class and his flight never took off to come to Houghton. So he missed another game because of that. Oh, geez. Um, Norris missed about six, seven weeks. Tulik had a shoulder injury, had a concussion, uh, just bounced around and, and, and took him a while to really get it going. 
Hunter went, missed a little time. Cameron Clark was out with an injury at one point. Um, Oscar Andron went, went home to attend to a family matter um, around the holidays and uh, obviously didn't re- return and we're wishing him well. Um, but man, I mean, we just got Austin Shaw missed time with injury too. Ethan Stewart broke his leg at the end of the year. I forgot about that. Um, after missing the first half of the season, um, came back, started to play really well and then broke his leg. It was horrible. I mean, we, we just got decimated. It, it was, it was unfair. I mean, we were looking around at one point, the team went to Alaska for 12 days and we didn't take a single healthy non-dressing player because we didn't have any. And we managed a two one-on-one trip, which was incredible considering at that point we were already missing Moyes. I believe we were missing Tackett on that trip too. Um, I mean, we were, we were just in rough shape on that trip. Dallas Tulick was out during that trip too. I mean, three impactful players. It, right. it was, it was hard. And I know that was, I think that was, was that Carter McPhail's one winner? Did he have two this year? I, I had, forgot to pull up the goaltending stats, but did he only get carts? Carts got the one at Fairbanks. Um, played really well in that game. Played really well. Um, really controlled his rebounds. That was one issue for him. Um, that's one thing you'll have to clean up going forward a little bit. He's young though. And I, he works really hard. He's got a good attitude too. Carter McPhail, the goaltender that was supposed to go in the second period of the consolation game at the GLI, according to Austin Shaw, but didn't made me look bad on the air on flowhockey.tv. Huh. I still, the worst part was, cause I told you that story, right? Cause I, I think I briefly mentioned it to you. Roni Salmon Kagas puts the puck, puts the puck into his own net by accident. It was the weirdest play. Patrick Kodorenko from Michigan State's on the four check, tries to turn and throw it in front of his own net and accidentally goes in the net. Paul Loudon actually saw that too. And he's like, yeah, as soon as I saw him go out in front, it wasn't going to look good. And who is walking by at the exact time that happens? Eric Carlson and a bunch of the sharks. You didn't tell story? Harrison knows the story. I do know the story. Well, I just, because I, I don't remember if everyone knows that story, but anyways, the, well, it's, it's just funny. Cause I remember it was like, everyone's like, Oh, what happened? Like, and I had to tell a couple of the guys and there's Eric Carlson. And it was just, I just chuckled because I was just like, oh, this is perfect timing for me to meet one of the best defensemen in, in of our generation. Yeah, excellent. Really excellent. I, I still couldn't believe that you ran into the Sharks. I forgot they were playing that night. Well, the worst part was, so I, I didn't tell you this part. Kelly thought I should have gotten like autographs and f- pictures oh, no. with them. I'm like, I, I'm wearing my suit. I am holding the microphone because I was doing the player inter- the in between the intermission interviews that night or that day. And I was just like, I got I can't be that fan. But like the security guard made it. Like, I actually talked to him because the one right outside the Red Wings dressing room. He's like, man, you look like you've done this before talking to all these bros. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. But huh. no, no, it was that was an it was a that was obviously for the Bulldogs not quite what they wanted, but the experience of being at little Caesars and having them part of that event was just within that in itself was cool for me. I'm sure for you as well, being a diehard Red Wings fan calling games at little Caesars arena. Oh, it was magnificent. That was, um, that's a bucket list item. Uh, and I, it went so fast and I just remember getting in the car at the end of it with, uh, with my girlfriend and it being over and sitting there thinking, wow, I mean, that would bite way too fast. 
Um, but I look back on it now and I mean, you're setting up for the games and, and it, you're looking around and, and seeing all these people and um, going through the facility nonstop, like, like you own the place. It's, uh, it's, it leaves you speechless by the end of it. It was, it was really incredible. It's one thing I'll never forget. And if I never get to do a game there again, uh, two is enough. So yeah, I'll, I'll be happy with that. Well, the nice part was, I don't know what time you got there to set up your stuff, but I got there, I think an hour and a half before that first game between Michigan state and tech. And we're, I, you and I were kind of just sitting there and just this mm-hmm. nice empty barn. And I always tell people it's so great to go. It's always fun, you know, an empty rink, you know, just even a nice shade of public rink, but in an empty arena where, you know, a game is going to happen in about two hours it's, oh, yeah. it's a very, it's, it's a unique feel. I love it. Some people think it's kind of eerie and kind of creepy, but for me, it's just so relaxing and just in awe of everything that's going on. Cause you know, what's about to be in a couple hours can be chaos players on the ice, but it's like just calm before the storm. It's, it was, for me, it was cool. It's as good as it gets. I, I, I know the feeling. Well, I always get there really early. I mean, I'm usually my rink on a home game day, if we got nothing else going on seven o'clock game, I'm usually there by about noon, uh, maybe 11. And I'm, I'm in there all day, most of the time myself, but I know the feeling well. And I, I tried to enjoy it as much as I could. Well, then again, at Ferris, you're doing like five other jobs though, setting up for the game. I mean, it's not like you're just the play by play guy. Also true. Yeah. I won't tell Rob that you do too much though. I'll, I'll, (laughs) I'll, I'll keep his expectations low for you. No, at this point, I'm at this point, Harrison, if someone ever does work your job ever again, if you ever do, if you ever, you know, you shouldn't leave Ferris because if Ferris, if you leave Ferris, you're going to leave this massive void and someone's going to come in and be like, well, Harrison did too good of a job and nobody's going to, everyone's going to be like, well, we're going to have to name this the Harrison Watt booth. Yeah, I I can wish all I want. I don't know if that's But, well, I mean, I, hey, I'll tell you right now. You were not just voted. Were you? Did they do the WCHA uh, broadcast of the year vote yet or no? They did not. They did not. Are they going to? I haven't asked, actually. Who do I have to butter up? Because I know you said you were second last year. I don't think I'm improving this year after the season we had, but um, hopefully I can go back and fix my craft a little bit and have a better season. I, I was a little up and down this year. Yeah, I I think my – and it's – I know this is going to sound selfish going back to me, but I feel like my high point was in December. And I remember you tagged, I forgot who started that train, the post your favorite broadcast moment from this year. Who started that? It was Bennett uh, from the Growlers, right? Or did someone yeah, start hitting? Wise. Yeah. And uh, the game I posted, I posted the clip a few times. It was the overtime game against Western. I thought that was my best game I did. That was in November. Like, I think that was the same weekend I did the first game with you. And I'm like, after that, it was kind of like I was decent, but I didn't feel like I was great. But then we again, had a lot of break. We had a lot of breaks, so I never got in any kind of a rhythm. I mean, I was off for six weeks at one point. I was off for three weeks at one point. No, I was off for four weeks twice. It, um, yeah, it was tough. It's tough to get in any kind of a rhythm that way. Then again, though, Harrison, you did tell me that you were chosen, that Ferris was chosen to be the broadcast for the Flow Hockey TV, which means that you were chosen to do to have the broadcast for Flow Hockey for the GLI over Al Randall and Scott Moore, who have, let's just say, been in the business for a minute. Well, I think um, 
I think I can attribute that to be to uh, Michigan Tech being the tournament host um, and them keeping it in the WCHA. So I, I think they gave me a little gift there because I'm so nice to them all the oh, time. Sure. I hope that's what it was. Nice. <laughs> Wait, why did take that slice of humble pie and toss that away? Come on, Harrison. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Let's no. Um, it's because I was there and they knew I was going to be on the air. That's why they had you obviously at Ferris. Oh, no. absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the, uh, but no, bro, are people kind of, some people that actually work in the business kind of get it with broadcasters, but when you're off for that long, it's not like obviously like an athlete where you have to get back into shape, but you kind of have to get back into some sort of shape of broadcasting. If you're off for three weeks, that's why Christmas break is the worst for, for me oh. at least. Well, the other thing is we had a late bye week. It was in February, so I felt like I was starting to get going again, and then all of a sudden it's February, and um, season's coming to a head, and you get a week off. And it was like I'm just sitting on my hands. I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, there's one weekend I can throw away. We were at Miami. I got really sick. Um, oh, yeah. Where I could, could barely broadcast the game. Um, I still claim that I had coronavirus then. <laughs> Because I had a cough that went on for about eight weeks and a fever. I have had neither of those things in at least 10 years. So I think, I think I'm immune now. That's what I'm hoping. You always get it once. That's why everyone's like, oh, I have the flu now. I'm like, well, at least you won't have it the rest of the time. Colds yeah. come and go, but the, it's only there once, the, like the flu and stuff like that. But let's kind of move on here. To obviously, as much as we love talking about Ferris and all the stuff at Ava Glavin, Let's talk about the only award that'll be awarded this postseason, not the national championship, unfortunately, but the Hobie Baker Award, naming the best collegiate hockey player, at least in Division One. Last year, Kale McCarr won it right before the uh, right before the, I believe it was UMass ended up losing to Minnesota Duluth in the national championship. As of right now, they only have they have the ten. Hobie Baker Award nominees left. They haven't gotten to the hat trick. I believe that is next week they announced that. Harrison, do you know? I believe you're right about that. So as of right now, they have Jason Cotton of Sacred Heart, Jack Dugan of Providence, David Ferentz of Boston University, Jordan Kawaguchi of North Dakota, John Leonard of UMass, Dryden McKay, the goaltender for the Minnesota State Mavericks, also from Minnesota State, Mark Michaelius, Scott Perunovich of Minnesota Duluth, Jeremy Swayman of Maine, and of the unfortunately number one Cornell Big Red. I don't know if they'll ever get to that point again, but Morgan Barron. I mean, if he comes back, obviously, they'll be good, but Morgan Barron of Cornell, that is your 10 Hobie Baker Award nominees. And I'll be honest, now this could be biased because, like I said, I've been following a little bit more of the WCHA this year, but Mark Michaelius may be one of I don't it's hard for me to say not being the favorite but you we we've talked about it before sometimes you see that east coast bias with this Hobie Baker award you do and you see a senior bias which hopefully helps McDayless um honest I, I can't see a reason why you for anyone but him Jack Dugan had an unbelievable year but he's a sophomore right but it's to come back to win it next year Jack Dugan came out of left field to an extent I know he was a draft pick but 52 points in 34 games is nuts. Especially in hockey, Mark, too. Mark Michaelis missed about five games and still had 44 points. I mean, he could have had 50 points easy. He was, in my opinion, he's the best player in the country. Um, I think Dryden McKay might get a little more love than some people think he will because he's got 10 shutouts and the next person has six Yep. Uh, in the country, which is um, a lot. 
<laughs> 10 is a lot in a single year. McKay had a 9.42 save percentage um, and a 1-3-1 goals against average. He leads the country in every category. I mean, he was he was magnificent too. He played 2,100 minutes. Yeah, that's that, um, that's not a it's not a short time span. That's a little bit long. He's a sophomore too, so um, only one guy had a better winning percentage somehow. Um, Mac delayed at Cornell did, but uh, McKay was the only one to win 30 games. I can't remember the last goalie to win 30 games in the season period in college hockey. Um, uh, maybe, actually, oh, go ahead. McKay only lost the win percentage battle by a one thousandth um, to Galeta. So he'll get a lot of love too. Ten shout outs is a lot. Minnesota State had the best scoring offense and defense too, which um, the defensive aspect might hurt him a little bit actually, um, since the team was so good. Um, I'd vote for Mark Michaelis. I, I don't think there's arguments for too many other people after the way I saw him play this year, even when he wasn't healthy. It, it's such a tough draw sometimes and and here's the thing too i personally believe had the tournaments all gone on it was hard for me unless michigan tech just did some crazy cinderella story that minnesota state wasn't going to walk out of the wcha and into the tournament as the conference champions but that said do you think by any stretch that as fantastic of a player that Morgan Barron is, do you think that the voters are going to look at the bias of a number one team like Cornell? So that's why they would pick Barron. Do you think that's a possibility or do you think that they're going to stick with, like you said, a senior like they usually do? I hope not. I mean, Morgan Barron's definitely going to be back next year. Um, I can't. Well, he only have 32 points. I have I have a hard time looking at Morgan Barron and thinking that he's a legit Hobie Baker candidate. I mean, that's 1.1 a game, which is still high. But, I mean, you look at some of the other guys on that list. Um, Mitchell Fossier was 1.2. Mark Michaelis was 1.4. Jack Dugan's 1.5. I mean, I couldn't vote for Morgan Barron. I don't see any reason anyone should. Um good player for sure and a draft pick but um again i can't argue for anyone other than mark michaelis i'm pretty partial to him now i was about to say i'm not going to try to knock you knock your choice but don't forget you also said tara hirosi tara hirosi should have been the hobie should have been considered for the hobie baker or at least should have yeah. been well because each team gets one guy right each team gets one quote-unquote hobie baker pick and then they dumb it down to the 10 and then the eventual three yeah, the problem was that team wasn't very good last year, and he didn't get help. Minnesota State was good enough for Mark Michaelis to be in the conversation. Right. And going back to you, so when you said the last time a goaltender won 30 games, you have to go back to the 15-16 season, where Michael, oh gosh, is it Gartig or Gartig? Uh, Gartig. Gartig from Quinnipiac, when he won 32 games. He went 32-4-7. Yikes, that's pretty good. And then the only other goaltender to win 30 games that year, uh, some Montreal fans may know him, Charlie Lindgren, St. Cloud State guy. 30 wins yeah, that Char- year. Charlie Lindgren also lost the last one to Ferris State, so that's the only one I remember him for. Caught, of course, he caught with the wrong hand. That's why. Um, oh, yeah. Goal- Actually, McKay- how about this? Michaelis the only guy with 20-plus goals, 20-plus assists in college hockey. Nobody else has got those credentials, so I mean – well-rounded enough because it's funny because you usually see in college hockey you see either the guy that really is the playmaker gets a lot of assists or you see 
what I like to call the Cy Young kind of a player. More goals than assists by a lot. You don't see many guys that are both the setup man and the leading goal scorer. No. Genuinely, no. And I will say, since there is no conference tournament, there is no possibility for St. Cloud State to lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Just clarifying that for the Husky fans out there. Um, so they'll uh, be able to pass on a year on that. Now, I, I say that, Harrison, and I catch myself because it's only when the good teams are not supposed to win is when they actually win. For example, the Washington Capitals, 2018, weren't supposed to win the cup. The year before, they were supposed to. Before that, they were supposed to. Would this have been, do you think this would have been the year St. Cloud State maybe got over the hump and got into the Frozen Four? No, no. I, don't, I don't think they had the firepower to deal with. Um, they didn't have the firepower to get through their own conference tournament, I don't think. They would have needed it, too. Um, I mean, North Dakota and Denver are going to be in the top, would have been in the top seven in the tournament. Um, you consider Minnesota Duluth would have been in the top as well, for sure. Uh, I don't see a path for them in to begin with. Um, that's probably where I'd leave it. Problem is, they got BCHA would have been a two-bid league, in my opinion, this year. Um, and it just, it would have been interesting. It would have been interesting um, to attempt to get out of that um, NCHC. If you got to play North Dakota and Denver or some combination of Denver, North Dakota, and Duluth on back-to-back days, I, I don't see you winning two games. And it's funny nowadays to go through, because obviously with only the 16-team tournament, many at-large bids from the big leagues now. Because we, because usually for the longest time, correct me if I'm wrong, Harrison, Atlantic Hockey and ECAC would only send one team. They'd send whoever won the conference tournament. Because it was a rarity that too many teams were up in the top 10 that would get the automatic bids. So you'd see three or four from Hockey East, three or four from the CCHA and WCHA. It wouldn't, because there's so many teams right now in the AC, ECAC that are up there Teams like, you know, you have Cornell up there. You had Clarkson up there. I know at one point there was, I guess, maybe if you're looking at maybe Quinnipiac that was up there. Um, there's not many teams from those two conferences, the smaller ones, if you will, Atlantic and ECAC, that would get the at-large pitch. But this could have been the year that there have been one or two teams from those two leagues. I think the ECAC would have had an okay chance. Um, Atlantic hockey... I was looking. Is it, yeah, sorry, I got, AIC, I got them mixed up. Yep. AIC lost just too many games, and they fell out of the uh, um, the pairwise turn in the tournament. Um, they were twenty seventh, and they were leading Atlantic Hockey in pairwise. So I think they probably would have been one bid this year. But you know, um, problem is the one bid leads to a path of North Dakota, which is no fun for anybody. Um, right. So I don't know what kind of damage they would have done. I'm trying to think Cornell for sure would have got in. Um, I'm blanking. Clarkson's an ECAC too, aren't they? Clarkson would have got in. Yep. Um, so that would have been a two-bid league. I think Bemidji State was getting in out of the WCHA. I think they were magnificent this year, and I think they would have got in. They, um, they did finish 11th in the in the. You, uh, according to the US, USCHO.com rankings. I know pairwise a little bit more than that, but I was going with the, with what the, the, I went on the NCAA site. Maybe that's my fault. Um, no, the, but there, there are some, there were some good teams. And I, do you think Arizona state would have gotten in again this year? Um, 
Where do I have them in my bracketology? I have them in 12th. They had a good season. They had a good enough season to get in. Um, they would have been a, had a whale of a first-round matchup, but give you my bracketology right now, I'll tell you who I got where. If you want. Yeah, go for it there, yeah. So in the Loveland region, I've got the 1, 6, 11, and 16 seeds. So Dakota played the Atlantic Hockey Champion. Number six, Denver would have caught number 11, Ohio State. That would have been in Colorado. That, w- um, that would have been a first-round matchup. Uh, North Dakota, Atlantic Hockey, and Denver, Ohio State. And I don't think I don't think AIC I when I because I started covering him for the hockey writers once again because obviously I was going to go to the I was going to get to the Frozen Four as a credentialed writer once again, but I was looking at that Atlantic Hockey and it was difficult for me to see anyone but AIC making it out of there. So and I don't know. I could see maybe maybe Sacred Heart, but um, with the talent, AIC. yes, with the their scoring talent and. It's it's funny to know how those leagues work. There are so many teams. They just allow like the first four, the top four. I think in Atlantic, it's top five get a bye, and then have all the bottom teams play out because that's where we saw Princeton, who had won two more games than Jimmy Howard had this year in their regular season, beat Dartmouth. Like, yeah, it's it's such a it's it's a fun league to follow, but it is so weird at times. It is. So in the Allentown region. Would have been the two, seven, ten, and fifteen seeds. Minnesota State, the number two. I have them taking on fifteen Maine. That probably would have been an okay game. I, I give it to Minnesota State. And then seven Penn State takes on Bemidji State. I give that to one to Bemidji State. I think Bemidji State can out game plan Penn State. I well, think they can game plan circles around them. I if, mean, I, I really think Bemidji State would have choked out Penn State. If you shut down Evan Barrett, yeah. Most, I mean, to be honest, yeah, you you outscore them. It's are you you shut down their offense. They're pretty much shot after that. And I that that sets up a Minnesota State Bemidji State game to go to the Frozen Four, oh. and I'm sure those two teams split this year. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think they split their regular season series. So that could be a pretty darn good game. Bemidji State could be going back. Um, in the Albany region, I got the three, eight, nine, and thirteen. Number three, Cornell, takes on 13 UMass. That would have been a good game. Um, and eight, Massachusetts gets nine, Clarkson, which I also think would be a pretty tight game. Um, and then in Worcester, number four, Boston College with number 14, Quinnipiac. And then five, Duluth, takes on 12, Arizona State. Um, I, I give Minnesota Duluth that game. But, yeah. um, you know, I look at the Albany region, I wouldn't pick a single game in that one if I – if you could bet on college hockey, I wouldn't pick a single one because I, I'd lose money on any of them. You can bet on college hockey. Just don't tell anybody. That's exactly how it works, you know? <laughs> TAA rules. Oh, trust me. My brother <laughs> and I, we had a long talk about that uh, right before we brought you on. We were talking about how are they going to pay that? No. Um, well, okay. It, you know, you got to remember, Arizona State did, did beat Denver in their little public rink they play at over there um, at Oceanside because I, I know where it is because Davenport used to play Arizona State for the longest time. But I, it's tough for me to say, even though they have Johnny Walker, good old Johnny Walker red, they don't, I don't think they'd have enough to go much further than no, even, if they, you're, even if they did you're pull going off to, an upset. You're going toe to toe with a goaltender, one, two national titles too. That guy knows what he's doing. Uh, I think experience is better than anything Arizona state has. Do you think, 
Duluth would have been able to pull off the three-peat? Yes. I don't. It wouldn't be who I'd pick. That was a hard. That was a hard. About say a very firm thought from Harrison Watt. There, he had to think about that one before he answered. No, they could do it. They could do it. I wouldn't pick them, but they could definitely do it. Um, It's not as if North Dakota and Minnesota State are completely unsolvable, but um, and Duluth has plenty of experience taking on some some teams that people thought couldn't be beat. So, um, yeah, I bet they, they do it. Um, again, wouldn't be my pick, but I, I could see him doing it. I don't think there's ever been a three, a three time national champion. Obviously we won't now, but I think the last team, the exception of Duluth was Denver back in Oh four Oh five. And before that, I don't think I'm looking at the list of champions right now. And there are not many teams that have won it back to back let alone a three anywhere close to a three-peat. Not easy. Most of the time, teams that win are senior-heavy, and that teams don't continue to win back-to-back years. Um, senior-heavy teams are grown men playing against 18 at some some points in time, and I think those are the teams that are best prepared to win. The, the last time we were in the NCAA tournament, we had four senior defensemen. Um, one of them had been uh, to the Frozen Four with us in 12, got a medical red shirt was back with us there. Now uh, the other ones had all been to the NCAA tournament too. Um, experience wins out. I think in the NCAA tournament, I really believe that. Um, and that's why you don't see a lot of repeat champions. What Duluth did was significant. It really was. It, it's, it's fun to know. Well, Cause there's always like the competitive teams and it's a rarity that, I mean, there's a lot of teams that are competitive for so long. Cause how many years did Michigan make the tournament? I mean, making the tournament's one thing it's getting to the frozen four and winning it is the harder part. Yeah. It's, it's, it's no cakewalk. That's for sure. I mean, you run into teams each year that have that guy. I mean, Minnesota state's got McKay and Michaelis, North Dakota, you name it. I don't know that they had the goalie. Um, that would have been where I think North Dakota alters in this tournament. And that's, um, a roundabout way of me saying that I, I picked Minnesota state. Well, I think I've done it the last two, two years now, but I had to pick, I picked them. They got a really good senior group. Um, they were poised to get over the hump. They got a region they could win. It wouldn't have been easy. Um, and the team I feel most for is them because I don't know what their path to winning an end. Like tournament game looks like next season. It's probably you'd think still have Dryden McCabe, but the numbers he put up this year, he could draw enough attention to uh, walk time, time, time for some pretty money. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and it's and I I will say this: it is a different transition for goaltenders, though. I mean, just, much different. I mean, it's I I always like to joke people: oh, Carey Price, who's an all-world goaltender, MVP, and all that stuff. Don't forget, he did play. And for Hamilton Bulldogs in the American Hockey League, I mean, they go, they do go the route of the minor leagues. There's not many goaltenders that'll make the jump straight to the NHL. Now, and that's no. why that's why you'll see the majority of the time you'll see guys leave after their sophomore year, after their freshman year. Players that is guys like you know guys like Larkin, Truba, those guys that all made the jump early. But 
it's a rarity you see a goaltender do that unless they are absolutely stunning. Because I believe that's because like guys like I'm thinking of like guys like Spencer Knight, you know, guys that yes they were drafted, they were you know they were set to go play professional hockey, but they're staying because they know they're not going to play in the NHL next year, and it's there's really no need for it because if you're I mean why would you you can a finish up your degree then as a goaltender and you know that no matter what's going to happen, you still have that team in your back pocket and you get to develop more. It's hard to do that in the American league. Yes. You learn the professional lifestyle, but jumping in there as you know, you know, if you are a goaltender that does play two years of junior hockey, you're 21 years old. All of a sudden you're 20, you know, you play one year, two years of college, you're 22, 23 years old. And all of a sudden you're going to be fighting for a spot. And there's not many college goaltenders that I would say, could jump many NHL starters. Now, yes, there are the exceptions. There are the Jimmy Howards. There are goaltenders such as Louis Domingue. But in order to make the jump viable, it has to be crystal clear, perfect, that you will be the number one starter. And unfortunately, in today's NHL, in today's college hockey game, that just doesn't seem, to me at least, as a former goaltender, a viable option, I think, personally. No, but I'll hit you with this one. Oh, boy. I'm... I'm Dryden McKay. My team was as good as it was this year. How do I know my save percentage with the same effort is going to be as good as it was this year? How do I know that I'm going to attract the same money and the same options next year? You don't. You never know. I mean, you could get hurt. Right. So if you want, if you're thinking about getting paid, you might you might take a quick look at it because your save percentage on a team like they've got right now, it might never get the numbers might never get more enticing than that. And you, if you got to go sit for a few years to get paid, might be worth it. But, you know, a lot of risk there too. It takes a long time to develop as a goalie, as you said. But uh, you never know. Numbers are going to be this good again and when you're going to be this healthy again. So right. obviously worth a look. And obviously he's undrafted, so any team can really pick him up if they wanted to. But yeah, it's got to be the right deal, I think. I mean, if they're going to say, oh yeah, we'll give you an opportunity to to battle for a spot in the American League. All right, well, maybe you stay back in Minnesota State. Let's be honest, though. It's been a long time that I can think of off the top of my head. You can crack me on this, Harrison, and I ask that you do. But I'm trying to think of the last time an underclassman goaltender that was not a senior was this dominant that he was, the exception if I'm thinking Spencer Knight, because I don't know if he was an actual final three candidate for the Hobie Baker but there's not many goaltenders that have gotten this kind of recognition as sophomores or freshmen. Oh, um, I got to think of how old Marty Turco might've been one of them. Um, Ryan Miller at Michigan state would have been another one off the top of my head. Maybe Jimmy Howard. Um, well, I know Miller been- Miller won the Hobie, but of course he didn't win it until his senior year. Correct. Yeah. But I know. Look at his. If I look at his numbers, hello, Hockey DB. I give you a better idea of. Well, of course, Marty was good because that '96 Michigan or the '97 Michigan team, excuse me, the year Brennan Morrison decided to absolutely destroy the league, but then they lost to Boston in in the national semis. That team was almost as lethal, if not more, than the eventual '98 championship team. And yeah, and that helps. And oh no, you're right. That was not that was his junior season. You're right, Mr. Mr. Watt. 
2001, when Ryan Miller won the Hobie Baker Award, not 2002, which was his last year with the Michigan State Spartans, he went, ready for these numbers, 31-5-4, and and back when they had ties. And they actually stuck to ties. They didn't do any shootouts. 1.32 goals against average and a 9-5 save percentage. He had 9-3-2 his freshman year, too, in the CCHA. That's no joke. He, he really got it done. I am he really, gonna, really did. I'm going to go look up the NCAA tournament now for 2001 because I there's no way that – I mean, well, I guess when you just don't have the scoring, that, that's the only thing I could think of could possibly have been in 2001. And that's, that's nuts to know that a goaltender that good didn't win. Because that was the year Boston College won it, and I'm gonna go through the tournament. Michigan State was the one seed in their tournament, and they lost to North Dakota in the frozen in the national semis. They lost to North Dakota, and then BC beat North Dakota in the final. Sheesh. And that's that's not easy. No, that is not. I mean, it's it's funny to look back, and it was like because it. If you're a casual college hockey fan that only watches for the NCAA tournament or the Frozen Four, for that matter. You don't see the path they get there. You don't see some of the guys like, oh man, this guy had a, such a great year. You don't. You just see who won. I'm like, oh yeah, Boston College won this many titles. Michigan's won nine national championships. They're a great program. You don't remember years like some of those years for Michigan State back when they had those uh, those weird green colors, not their dark forest green they have now. The the Jason Witten blandish green kind of St. Louis blue angled looking jerseys. I like to call them. Yeah. I'm trying to take a look here. But, um, man, 2001, that's, that's a big year for them. And to now when it's big bummer, Kit Miller would have, uh, Kit Miller was on the team in 1990. Never mind. Uh, trying to think of one of their good players would have been on that team, but yeah, that's, uh, that's an unbelievable hockey team. 950 state percentage. It's a shame that Ron Mason only won one national championship. Really is. Now I got to go to their. Let's see, two. Th- and I and I got to look. Are you looking up their roster right now? I'm not. No. All right. Let's see here. Thank you, College Hockey News. All right. Who do we got here? We have Aaron. John Michael Lyles was the defenseman on that team. Let's see. Jay Pugliese was there. Why does that name sound familiar, Pugliese? Oh, um, one there. Uh, I, there's a Pugliese that plays in the ACHA. Uh, Joe Goodenow was there. Adam Hall was there. Adam Hall was a good player. Yep. Uh, Damon Witten, that was his senior season. Good hockey player. Very good hockey player. It's funny to look at the names because you know how good some college players are that just never able to transfer it to the NHL level. Like, I don't... I know John Michael Lyles was a good defenseman, but I don't remember him ever being such a humongous standout in college. At least from my I recollection. Being, I remember him being pretty decent, but yeah. Not a world beater, that's for sure. I was pretty young back then, too, though. Yeah, I was a whopping six. I just remember Ryan... Because that was, I think... Now, I'm going to sound awful when I say this, but I don't remember the off the top of my head But what their schedule was. But I think that was the year that like Michigan just couldn't score on him, on Ryan Miller. Now, then again, not many people were in the CCH were able to do. But, I mean, th- th- for a Michigan fan, it was frustrating. But for a Spartan fan, I'm pretty sure they were having the time of their lives until they lost to North Dakota. But 
last thing before I let you go, Harrison, because I know we're all busy and we all have significant others to attend to. How excited are you for the revamp of the CCHA, the thing I called when I had you on the show last, what the league name was going to be? How excited are you? I know it's not the next season, but it's the year after. But how excited are you? It's it's going to be very exciting. Um, we're we're still really excited to be in the WCHA for another year, um, prove our medal there. But um, it, it it'll be different. It, it's hard to say right now, just because it's not right in front of me. Um, it, it'll it'll be different for a lot of reasons, namely the number of teams. Uh, what teams there are. Um, the whole thing is, um, whole thing has certainly been very exciting for us. Um, but uh, I, I got to stick to my press release here and and say that uh, we're still excited. Um, now, while we are excited, I, I really don't know very much at this point, more than anybody else. Um, and what's gone on in the releases, and still excited to be part of the WCHA. There are a lot of people that I I love that I work with and. Uh, definitely going to enjoy one more year of that, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see where my, where my career is at by the time the team gets back to the CCHA. Do you think is this finally the door opening for Arizona State to get a conference to be in a conference? I think college hockey is not done changing. You don't think so? Before. I, I maybe not before next season. Um, right, but I don't think college hockey is done geographically um, aligning. Probably the best way I can put it. Huh. Not that I know anything more than anybody else, but um, I, I just don't see it being done yet. And I think the door will open at the right time for them. I don't know if this is the door. Um, obviously, you look at travel concerns with um, the current WCHA, and that wouldn't really fit um, in that respect with, right. the, with the new CCHA. But um, I guess we'll, we'll see. Who knows? I'm open to anything right now. I'd love some golf weather, I'll tell you that. Golf weather and, well, okay. I, last week was pretty much golf weather. Unfortunately, I was working because that would have been great because nobody else would have been out there. As far as I know, the courses are still open? Question mark. I'm not sure. I, I think they're closed now because of the shelter-in-place order. Well, then again, for you guys, all there is is the one at Ferris. The I forget the course's name off the top of my head. Um, Khaki. Yes. It was a funny looking. And then there was Falcon Crest, too, which is on Old State Road. Um, yes. And that, but that, if they're both closed, that stinks because now there's really nothing to do. I, I mean, I do have Tiger Woods 08 for the PS2. I guess I could play that and hold my craft that way. Play on easy mode to feel good about myself. But for now. <laughs> Hey, you gotta get a, you gotta go under somehow to unlock you know all the cool stuff in those games, because um, it's not like back at Minow today where you can just buy all the cool stuff. No, you actually had to play the game, or Ugh. or find the cheat codes, whichever was easier. Um, Absolutely. Well, that is I'm just about it for this one, Harrison. You're actually on for the sign off on this show. It'll be you're actually here for the very end of it, so you get to hear me ramble on for ten. No, I'm not gonna ramble on. We both got stuff to do. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Kill Podcast, COVID nineteen edition number two. Harrison, we'll have we'll have we'll do some we'll walk down memory lane with you probably in the summertime because obviously we it's a very long off season we have coming up here. Well, I got to keep my standing at the um, 
most frequent visitor to your show. So yeah, the more time to get me on, I got to break that record. Pretty sure Thomas is going to text me now. I was like, I'm coming on next week because I think you guys are tied for four. So we're going to have, we're going to hit double digits probably by the end of the year, because if Alex and I keep talking to each other like this with no hockey to do, it may be the end of the Keel podcast. But for now, once again, huh. folks, use the hashtag the Kill Podcast. Tweet us at the Kill Podcast. Follow Harrison at Watt Harrison. Yes, he flips his name around because he's cool that way. For all of his fun tweets, I didn't get to ask you about the Bachelor because I was had I had questions about that. But I'll leave that for the next time you come on. Thank you once again, Harrison. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Ty. And we'll see you all next week on the Kill Podcast. Hey, uh, Kel, whenever you, uh, you get a second, you want to take your time away from your friends there and uh, the friends show it. Come hang with your friends that really exist. It'd be great. Sincerely, your husband. Love you. <laughs>